it's not a matter of if you should get pet insurance or if something bad is going to happen. It's when something bad happens, are you going to have pet insurance or are you going to have to pay it out manually? This is the With a Dog Podcast, a podcast for the modern dog parent. I'm your host, Carly, and every Wednesday I bring on pet professionals or some fellow dog parents, and we laugh, learn, and commiserate about everything from the confusing vet visits to dog park etiquette to the 2 a.m. potty breaks. Essentially, life with a dog. Hello, my lovely people with a dog. How are you guys? Um, I'm here in Seattle, if you're new, and uh, it is still currently 60 degrees and cold and rainy, and it is the middle of June. So I'm in kind of a mood about the weather currently, but otherwise, I have a bunch of life things that I want to update you guys on. However, today's episode is super long, so I'm not going to do a life update today. I think I'm going to keep that for um, probably June 29th episode. That's going to be an episode with Charlotte and Ashley, and I will update you guys on my little health journey that I've kind of been talking about over the last six months. Lupin had yet another nice emergency medical issue, and I've got some vacations coming up. So I will update all of you on that in a few weeks. If you're new here, how we run things, we run things. It makes it sound like there's some kind of empire to run. How the podcast works is every Wednesday I have an episode with a guest or it's a solo one. Once a month, I have my friends Charlotte and Ashley on. They are both fellow dogstagram, hound dog moms, and we just kind of pick a topic and run with it related to dog mom life. And then we also have exclusive episodes. So those are ones that you pay for. So it's like a monthly subscription through Spotify or Apple So if you listen to our once a month episodes, our friends with the dog ones, and really like them, you can always sign up for the exclusive apps too. And also if you're new, I guess I should introduce myself. As I said, I'm Carly, your host. Been doing this for about two years now. I am a dog mom to two hound dogs, two rescue hound dogs. One of them is my OG boy. His name is Lupin, aka Loopy. Got him when... He was maybe three or four, eight years ago. So now we think he's about 11 or 12. And he is my complicated trouble child. And then I have Albie, aka Albus. Yes, they have Harry Potter names. And he is like six years old. And I've had him for two years. And I also have a partner. His name is Dog Zaddy. He actually might be on the podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. But let's jump into about this episode. As I said, it's super long, (laughs) but I really, I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't take out any of it. It was such a good conversation with our guest, Megan, and it really was like a conversation. It wasn't a typical interview with a guest because she's been on before. She and I are friends. It was just so casual and it was just, it was, yeah, it was just such a good conversation. Most of it, like the first half is just her updating me and recounting this medical issue that her dog Coda has been going through for almost a whole this whole last year. And then the second half of this episode is 
rounding it out and kind of bringing like a moral and lessons learned to Megan and Coda's story. And I wanted to do this episode with Megan for a few reasons. One, because I knew that Megan, she's so well-spoken and she's so authentic. I knew she would have great advice for everyone to potentially prepare yourself financially and emotionally, mentally, for if your dog ever does have a big medical issue down the road. Spoiler alert, get pet insurance. But reason two, because I really liked the relationship that she has with her veterinarian and pet insurance. I believe in this episode, she refers to it as like the perfect triangle. And I think there really is something to that. Like when all facets, the vet, the insurance, the pet parent, when everyone works together for the health of the dog, it's just something special. And it's how it's supposed to work. And I kind of just love that overarching theme in Megan's story. And number three, I personally know what it's like to be dealing with something with your dog, whether it's behavior issue or medical or just like lifestyle, life stage changes. It can feel really cathartic to just tell your story. So I kind of wanted to hear Megan's story and for her to tell it. And I know all you other dog parents out there feel the same way, whether it's something as serious as like big medical issue, like we're going to talk with Megan, or if it's just we finally got over potty training and dang, it feels so good. Or even my dog is getting a lot older. I have a senior dog now and this is how I'm having to change my lifestyle. Whatever it is, I know all of you guys have gone through something like that with your dog. And it's just really nice to just tell the story and let it out. And I hope it's enjoyable for all of you to also listen to other people's story like Megan's here today. All right, guys. Hope you enjoy. A little bit more about our guest. Megan is a Missouri-based photographer, blogger, and educator all about responsible dog ownership. She has two corgis of her own, and over the last five years with them, she has made it her personal mission to break the stereotypes that surround the corgi breeds, to show the world what these dogs are truly made of and share the information she's learned along the way. So Megan, welcome to the With a Dog podcast. Hello. It's been so long. I feel like I haven't been on in like a hot minute. I've missed you. Yeah. Welcome back to the With a Dog podcast. Is it, <laughs> yeah, it's been way too long. Um, you, you and I actually talked like so much like a year ago-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like April. You were so helpful when Izzy decided to leave the podcast. And for anyone who has no clue what I'm talking about, I used to have a co-host. Her name was Izzy. And um, she decided to take a step back. It was all very amicable, but it was me floating in the wind a little bit like, what do I do? How do I do this on my own? And Megan was so helpful during that time. So yeah, so big shout out. She's she's a near and dear friend to the podcast, everyone. Hey, I'm I'm an, I I will lend an ear and I will give my opinion where where I uh, where I feel like it. So if yeah. ever just wants to like call me up and chat, I'll let you know how I feel. So yes, <laughs> no, I'm no, glad it was- it, I, I'm glad it worked out, and I've been very happy to see you kind of coming into your own with the podcast. I think that it was a transition for you, but I think that it was a transition for the better. I know at the time it felt very uh, like a mountain, yeah. <laughs> yes. but I think you pretty much tackled the hurdle and you've kind of come into your own with it. And it's it's good to see. I know when you, I was talking to you at first, you like didn't feel like <laughs> it yeah. was a good thing, but I kept trying to tell you, I'm like, no, it's okay. Really. It's going to be, 
you're it's you're gonna you can do your own thing it's gonna be great you're like but what am I gonna do by myself (laughs) yeah like I'm just gonna be talking into the void and now I still do that but I'm just fine with it (laughs) talking to yourself's normal it's fine yeah it's all good part of daily Um, life well, for any new listeners that maybe have not heard your previous episodes, I'll have them in the show notes. So anyone who wants to listen to the previous episodes I've had with Megan and a little bit more about her, then definitely go listen. But just in case, can you give us like a brief intro to you, your dogs, your business, all that? Yeah. So uh, my name is Megan Mullins. I run a dog, mostly Corgi targeted um, blog. It's called Stumps and Rumps. I also do a little bit of stuff on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I'm really focused on responsible dog ownership. I talk a lot about, you know, what steps to take to be a responsible dog owner and what things you need to know, you know, kind of like the the mom blogging, but for dogs, but I also have kind of a niche down into corgis. So, um, but I have friends of all, all dog breeds, as Carly will tell you, friends of all kinds of people. I don't have to just be a corgi person, but most of my content is targeted towards corgi people since those seem to be my people. Um, yes. so there's that. I have two corgis. I have Moose was my first and then, um, Coda, she's my second. They're about like a two weeks apart from each other in age, but not lower mates. I got Moose, um, in July of 2017 and then absolutely fell in love with the breed. And then Coda came along kind of on accident shortly thereafter. She had been, um, purchased and then the family that bought her decided they couldn't keep her anymore and of course I she was offered to me and I couldn't say no so I have two and yeah that's that's pretty much my life I live in Missouri and I blog full-time wait so they're both like five now ish oh my gosh in my mind they're just so in my mind they're young I don't know why in my mind they're like always two and three or something (laughs) Oh my yeah. gosh, I can't believe they're already. Five. I felt I the other day I was um I was petting Moose and he's getting gray on the tips of his ears and I was like, <gasps> Oh my god, what is happening? <laughs> Where yeah. did he go? But yeah, you know, it's great having adult dogs. I I, I always talk about my puppy fever that is seems to be never ending, um, and is gonna result in a very big problem because I can't stop myself because I love dogs. But um, you know, I love having older dogs because as much as puppies are great and cute and adorable, my dogs are well-behaved. They're, they listen. We have a good relationship. Like the first few years of dog ownership were like you and the dog, like figuring each other out. Mm-hmm. So I feel like once you get to like the five year mark, like they're not so batshit crazy and you guys have like good communication and like you guys have, you guys know each other pretty well. And so like, I feel like five onward, is just like a really good experience yes. with your dog. And it's not so like insanity. I completely agree. And that's why I adopt dogs that are like four years and above. Yeah. (laughs) Because I do not have the lovely patience that you have to do like the amount of puppy life stuff. Not that you don't have to do a good amount of training and stuff with adopting. I raised two at once. I raised two puppies at once. I honestly, at one point, I think I like broke down crying in my bedroom and I was like, why did I do this to myself? This was like hands down probably the worst idea. (laughs) Like I'm covered in corgi fur. They keep hurting me around the house. I can't. (laughs) The Honestly, the hardest part of having two um, was the potty training because I would potty train one 
and then the mm-hmm. other one would piss and then that one would go piss where that one pissed and it was like a constant oh. like I would get one to get it figured out in their brain and then the other one was like I'm gonna go pee over here and then the first one was like oh we can pee in the house great and then just <laughs> like just like undermined oh, all your work my yeah. god it was like it's like herding cats I'm like oh my god you guys just please figure they figured it out eventually but yeah I mean there's just yeah. little I Two dogs, two puppies at once. Not that's like I think when you're a dog owner, there's things that you do, and then you're like, mm, I would not recommend that. Like zero out of ten, not recommended. Raising two puppies yes. at once is definitely one of the things that I'm I'm happy in the sense that I don't know Moose without Coda, and I don't know Coda without Moose. Like they are very together. They've experienced life together. They've experienced a lot of, of the same things together, but. Like from like a developmental standpoint and from like a mental health standpoint, definitely don't do two dogs at once. Don't do two puppies at once. That was yes. not yeah. not one of my best decisions in life. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You got through it. As you said, they're adults now, well-behaved, happy adults. And yes, um, yeah, so you had to deal with um, all of that. And mm-hmm. then you had to deal with a good amount of medical stuff, which is what we're going to talk about in a second. But um, really quickly, how are you? How is Megan without Coda and Moose or just in general, like as a human? (laughs) You know, Megan's actually very good. Um, I did the millennial thing. I got myself into therapy, started reading like some therapy books and got myself in like a really good place. I'm very like Zen now. I like meditate in the mornings and it's very, oh my very weird. I know it's very like, not like me at all. I'm a very, I don't know. It just, it was something I didn't really expect to like, but I, I enjoy it so much. Music is playing in my house constantly. I take bubble baths and candlelit bubble baths and I read books and it's, I go out, I have, here's how you know I've gone crazy. I go outside in the mornings and I let the dogs go to the bathroom and I have an app that you can use the microphone on your phone to listen to the birds singing outside and it will identify the bird that is singing. So I like bird watch, but through the the sounds of the bird singing. So every day, every morning, I've got like a video, like an audio log, and it'll tell me all the birds that were singing that morning. And yeah, so that's, that's how I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Honestly, first of all, that sounds great. I'm loving (laughs) – Megan is living her best life for sure. She's got the zen and everything. But the bird watching is – you're right. It's probably like one of the most like millennial things I've heard as far as (laughs) like I'm going to bird watch, but I'm not going to actually like be out there with my binoculars and the sticks. I'm going to do it through technology. And that's great. <laughs> oh my god, I have um I have a group of corgi girls and we're all like very like millennials and so the other day we've all kind of gotten into puzzles and plants recently and so we ended up all getting on the computer at the same time and we did like a collaborative puzzle. It was a digital puzzle. Oh. And there were all these different like cursors just flying around the screen putting these puzzle pieces into place onto this like digital it was just so funny. I was like, "Oh my god, what is we're like old women, but millennials. It's just, it's yeah. just this, this is not, this is not what they intended when they made yeah. puzzles. Look, I am, I can identify with that. I am slowly becoming like a robe influencer with my robe obsession, <laughs> and all I do is like sit around in my robe and post about it. So, um, I get it. I get like, yeah, old ladies. I'm down, but more. not. I'm down to be an old yeah. lady. Old ladies are awesome. Yeah, I'm good with it too. Um. 
Okay, cool. So Megan's great. <laughs> Megan's and... doing doing the best she's ever ever done. Megan's awesome. <laughs> that's good. No, that's so good to hear though. Okay, well, back to like dog mom life. What is a recent with a dog win you've had? Ooh. Okay, so this will be a good transition into our topic today because my my win recently has been getting my dog to a place where I don't have to give her eye drops every hour like she's an infant that needs a bottle. <laughs> yes. Okay. Let's just get into it because we need we all need to know more. I need to know more because I was watching your journey through this on your stories and like anything you did post. And I was kind of waiting to have you on until it had some sort of resolution because I was yeah. like, this is intense, what what you're going through. So, like, let's start at the beginning. Coda and her eye, what exactly happened and when was this? How long ago was this? So, this was, like, mid-September of last year. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, the dogs were out playing and Coda came up. She was like panting, maybe playing frisbee or something, and she was kind of squinting her left eye a little bit. And I was looking at it, and you know, I was like, you know, it's fall, you know, the leaves are falling down and stuff, so maybe you know, something. It's windy. Something got into her eye. You know, you think like very like normal dog things, like oh, she's mm-hmm. done something, and there's something in her eye. So yeah. we flushed it with like some saline, like some some uh, some contact saline solution and we're giving her drops and that seemed to be helping. I was like trying to flush out whatever was in her eye and it stuck around for like a week. And finally I was like, I'm just going to take her in because I don't really know what's going on. Maybe she's got something lodged in there that we need to remove. And so we ended up taking her in there and I felt really bad because she ended up having an ulcer and I don't know if you've ever had like an eye ulcer before, but um, Mm -mm. they're really, really fucking painful. So I felt really bad because I waited that long. Um, And then the vet gave us some things to give to her and then was like, Hey, come back in you know, a week and we'll check because if it's not getting better, we need to repair it because ulcers can go very South and not be good. So so um, this is just like your regular vet, not like a yeah, specialist yeah, yeah. or anything. No, this okay. is just like down the street around the corner, like my go-to, like, hey, I don't know what's wrong with my dog. Can you check him out? Kind of, you know, guy. So what is sorry to keep yeah. interrupting you. What is an eye ulcer? Is it like a little like growth on it? Or no, like- it's actually it's actually like a it's like a rupture, like a cut into the cornea. It's like a Okay. Yeah, they're like Ulcers are like sores. They're like they're they're just not like it's it's essentially like damage to the cornea itself. Like the okay the the top film over the eye has been injured. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense because the only thing I knew about ulcer, ulcers was like in the stomach or something. So yeah, okay, that so makes it's sense. essentially All like right. a like a tear kind of. Um. So took her into the vet that was like, yeah, she's got an ulcer, which ulcers happen. You know, sometimes dogs get ulcers from typically it's like injury. So like if they like are running around, run to a pole or something like if they it's usually like blunt force or something that's like causes it to happen um, mm-hmm. or from dry eye. So I took her in. They gave us the medication for the ulcer. We went back in a week and the ulcer was gone. I was super ecstatic about that. But she was still squinting and you could tell she was really uncomfortable with that eye. So I asked, I was like, so what else could this be? And he was like, well, he's like, it could just be the fact that, you know, the ulcer may, even though it's like pretty much healed, like it may still be bothering her a little bit or she might have dry eye. And 
I, I don't know why I, you know, normally it would have been one of those things where I was like, okay, we'll go home and keep an eye on it. But for whatever reason, I was like, you know, how do I know if she has dry eye? And he said, well, what we can do is it's called a, a tear test, a schmear sh- 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 tear test. Essentially what it is, <laughs> is it's a, it's a piece of paper probably about the size from like your index finger to like the, the knuckle of your index finger to the tip of your index finger. It's a little piece of paper and you fold it and it's got little line marks on it and it's like millimeter measurements and it measures the tear production of your eye. So your eye is producing tears every minute and there's things that your body does every minute of every day that you don't realize it does. And there's a lacrimal gland up in your eye, top of your eyelid that produces tears and it lubricates your eye. When that gland malfunctions, it has a direct effect on how many tears your eye produces every minute. So typically with a dog that has a healthy lacrimal gland, you'll have anywhere from 15 to 25 millimeters a minute of tear production on this, mm-hmm. on this tape. Um, 10 to 15 is considered a decreased tear production that may require a little bit of therapy, but it's not like at like a super intense clinical level. Zero to 10 is severe. Shit, my computer is dying. Give me one second. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, I need to grab my charger and then I completely forgot. Anyway, so zero to 10 is, um, is severe KCS. So zero to 10 is the dog is having a severe deficiency in tear production and needs immediate treatment and therapy or else, you know, damage to the eye is, you know, inevitable. Okay. So I don't know why took her in was like, Hey, can we, can we just do this? It's like a $15 little test. And the, it was really funny because the vet kind of like gave me a hard time about it. He's like, she's a young dog. She's never had issues before. It's only one eye. Like, I don't really see this being necessary. And I was like, I just, for my, you know, peace of mind, I would really just like to do it. And (laughs) so he puts it in and she came back as a five. So her eyes. You had the, you had the like dog mom intuition. You were like, I know that this is it. Yeah. I was like, it just is weird that she's just not getting better. So anyway, so he gave us a referral to a veterinary ophthalmologist in Kansas City. And ophthalmologists are people that specialize in this disease. And so, um, how far away is Kansas City? So it's, um, it's like an hour from us. So it's like an hour drive every time we go to the, to the eye doctor. But, um, so the next question I had was, okay, so she has this, like what caused it? And my favorite answer of all time is we don't really know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the time what it is, is it's an autoimmune related thing where the immune system actually attacks and destroys the lacrimal gland. And it typically happens in both eyes on rare occasions when you're having the autoimmune, it happens in one, but typically Mm -hmm. if you're having the autoimmune, it happens in both eyes and it's a gradual process. It's not super quick. Coda was fine one day. And not find the next day. Like that is how yeah. quick the how quickly she went from like her eye is lubricating fine to there's something seriously wrong with her eye. So that leads us to believe that it's one of the less common, more complicated issues, which could be 
uh, infection, like, you know, a deep inner ear infection, trauma, it can be a side effect from medication, it can be um, neurogenic, which is more so like the the nervous system is what manages that gland. It manages all your glands. And okay. so if there's a dysfunction with how your nervous system is interacting with that gland and your gland is healthy, but not receiving the message of like, hey, you need to be producing tears, then it mm-hmm. kind of like doesn't function right. Yeah. So anyway, that was basically like, we don't really know. Go see the specialist. So we go talk to yeah. the specialist and the specialist is like, okay, well, this is, you know, a relatively, I wouldn't say uncommon, the severe, the level of severity that she has is uncommon. But as dogs get older, much like with humans, your lacrimal gland starts to diminish in quality, I guess you could say. the You know, it starts to wear down and so it doesn't produce tears as much and so you get a lot of older people and older dogs with dry eye issues and so having tear deficiency in and of itself is not uncommon what is uncommon is having a severe tear deficiency in such a young dog in only one eye so mm-hmm. <clears throat> there are a lot of really great medications on the market currently that do a really great job at restoring um, tear production um, the two are cyclosporine and tacrolimus limus, and it is, um, they're just drops you give in the dog's eye every day. So okay. medically you give them in the eye like two times a day and that will restore tear production. And for most of the dogs that do have a decreased tear production, you can give these, these medications, these eye drops essentially twice a day and the eye retor- returns to full health and starts producing tears at a normal level. And it's like, it never even happened. Typically, I love how ever. you're saying most dogs. Most. Like, and, and you, and I'm already, like, you already said that you had to do it every hour. Nope. So I'm like, oh shit. Nope. What's you happening? Know, like, you know what's going to happen. Just buckle up. It's, <laughs> it's such a wild ride. I'm, I'm like, I, I, yeah. So, <laughs> so these, these medications are worked as um, medicine has advanced. We've gotten very, very good at, um, creating these medications and formulating them in a way that makes them super potent and, and useful in, in clinical settings. So mm-hmm. um, they work really, really well most of the time. So if your dog has KCS nine times out of 10, you give your dog cyclo or tacro and they're good to go. The dogs yeah. typically don't ever get better. Like it's not something that just goes away, but with medicated therapy, they live a relatively normal life. Mm-hmm. Um. So the problem with these medications, though, is they take months to work. They're not things that work super fast. Like if I give my dog an antibiotic in a few days, like they're good to go or whatever, like a Benadryl, right? That works in like an hour. These medications take months to work. So you don't know if they're working at all or if they're – Okay. So she's not – so by the time we got to the ophthalmologist, he did a tear test and she was at a true zero. So it took us about a week to get in. So we had gone from, she has an ulcer a week later to she's producing five tears to a week later, she's producing zero tears. So it was like yeah. super fast. Um, so it was, these are the, these are the drops you have to give. You have to give them twice a day and then you need to be lubricating her eye with artificial tears and, you know, gel and things like that to protect the cornea because when your eye is dry, the cornea is very reliant on the lubrication and the, the, the tears to keep it healthy. 
And mm-hmm. when it's dry, I mean, your cornea will literally like just dissolve. I mean, it, it it's your eye is designed okay. to, to be wet. So yeah. <clears throat> when your eye, when your gland stops producing tears, you really get into like, you get all kinds of like crazy stuff. Like the eye lacks luster, so it's not shiny anymore. You get like a haziness to it. It's just a very unsightly thing. On top of the fact that the skin all around your eye, like your eyelid, when you blink, right, also relies on that lubrication. So yeah. if, if your eye is dry, all your eyelid, your eye itself, everything gets super pissed off because it's like, hey, we need this stuff to function and it's not, it's not working. And so all the other functions like blinking, right, mm-hmm. or moving your eye around start to irritate it. And so, <clears throat> so my responsibility as a stay-at-home dog mom at that point was give my dog these drops two times a day and give her eye drops as needed, right? Give her lubricating eye drops as needed to keep her eye lubricated. Well, because she wasn't producing any tears, that meant I was giving her eye drops every hour to keep her eye healthy. Okay. Every hour through the night too? Mm -hmm. So what would happen is, is I would typically stay up till like midnight because I'm a little bit of a late sleeper. And then I would do like a, like a gel ointment in her eye. And my husband would wake up at like five thirty six every morning for work and he would, he would start. So there would be like a five hour period where she just had gel ointment, but mm-hmm. we really couldn't go any longer than like four or five hours without, I mean, even then, even with the gel, even with her sleeping for, and her eyes closed too when she's sleeping. So it's not like she's yeah, blinking, which helps. But yeah. even, even that five hour period, I mean, she would wake up and her eye would just be glued shut and you could just tell, I mean, it was just pissed off. Oh. So, yeah. I mean, it. I would wake up every morning and I, I would set my alarms. Six, mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, one, two, three, four, five. Until Lance I, came home to take over and my yeah. alarm would go off every hour. And I would go and I would get the drops and I would give her drops and then... So you're doing the every hour thing in addition to the medication to see. So you had to wait a few months to see if that medication was working. Right. So, like, so I mean, it was my full-time job, job to keep her eye lubricated while we were waiting to see if the medication would work. Yeah. So um, after a few months, it wasn't working. Surprise. And so <laughs> the doctor was like, well, we can try a different medication for specifically neuro- neurogenic KCS which is the nervous system issue we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called pilocarpine and it essentially is like um, it, it acts as like the, uh, the chemical that would stimulate the lacrimal gland. So it's like mm-hmm. a artificial version of that. So when you give it, uh, it's typically given orally. So you'll get dogs that'll like salivate more because it's stimulating the glands Okay. To get them to produce more liquid, right? Liquid, yeah. So when, yeah. When, so when you give it to it in food, they'll start salivating more and their eyes will produce more tears. Like it's, it'll, it mm-hmm. affects the whole system. Yeah. So we gave that for a while. Wasn't working. Then we started doing topical. So in the eye with the oral, we were hitting it from both sides. While no you're results. still doing every hour for While lubrication. And I think the most, the hardest part for me emotionally, honestly, was every, so I actually bought a a package. Don't, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend this. I'm not sure if that's would recommend (laughs) you sticking paper (laughs) in your dog's eye. 
but I got to the point where I would actually, I bought a whole pack of the STT um, strips, the, the tear strips. And mm-hmm. every night before bed, I would pull her eyelid back, put the strip in her eye, wait the 60 seconds and pull it out to see if it was working. And yeah. every single night, night after night after night, it was zero, 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 zero for months oh, on top God. of me giving her eye drops every hour. Yeah. On top of you putting the work right. in as well. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, it's like, I, I mean, it was essentially my full, I mean, it was like having a toddler. It was like having an infant that required my 24 hour care and mm-hmm. no result, no result, no result. And so I think it was January. I finally had like my mental breakdown of like, okay, I'm, I need a plan B. Yes. So the, yeah. the plan B for this disease is a little bit of a medieval uh, mechanic surgery, okay. but it's really cool in the if you understand it. So the if you have if you have a dog that has KCS and is non-responsive to the med- medication, um, the next step is what's called a parotid duct transposition. So we talked about saliva earlier. So Mm -hmm. your mouth has all kinds of glands around your jaw, underneath your jaw, and ducts, which are essentially tubes that take saliva from these glands and dump them into all the different areas of your mouth to keep your mouth lubricated with saliva. Yeah. And so some uh, evil genius one day was like, what if we take one of the ducts from your mouth (laughs) And run it up through your cheek into and suture it into the bottom of your eyelid. So instead of it dumping saliva into your mouth, it's dumping saliva into your eye. And essentially okay. acts like a supplemental tear. Because okay. the stop it. Hold on. Okay. Pause. So just to like rewind for a second, because I do wanna talk more about like as you were saying, the emotional toll yeah. this was taking on you, financial, like all of it. I thought you were going to be like plan B is to remove the eye. Like I thought that would have been – was that ever a, a – I don't know, like recommended by a vet or – because I'm just like – I'm imagining even what if it was like a single dog mom, let's say, who works – you know, goes to work and stuff, maybe they don't have a partner who can take over. Like you would be at your wit's end trying to manage to care for like a dog every hour and I wonder if – if there's a point at which it would just be like, we need to remove the eye or, or no, I don't know. So, so this is a great question. And this is a question I got from a lot of people was, we'll just remove the eye. And what I respond with is there's nothing wrong with the eye. There's nothing yeah. wrong with the eye. The eye is perfectly mm-hmm. healthy. The eye can see, the eye can function. The eye is not diseased. And when I'm giving her drops every hour, the eye is not uncomfortable either. Yeah. So at the expense of my sanity and my emotions, mm-hmm. I I was essentially acting as the lacrimal gland and she wasn't in pain, she wasn't in discomfort, and the eye was essentially healthy. Best case scenario is you give the cyclosporine and the tacrolimus and the pilocarpine as long as humanly possible to, to work because mm-hmm. the next case scenario is a lot more aggressive uh, in terms of therapy. It has a pretty high complication rate but in situations like you described where you have, you know, both people at home are working nine to fives or 12 hour shifts and they can't do this whole lubricating every hour, 
they're the length of time in which they do the eye drop therapy is a lot less and they are quicker to jump through the, to the PDT because okay. the idea is to give that medication as long as we possibly can to work because PDT really isn't a solution as much as like a management. It hope it, it acts as me. The PDT essentially acts as the person giving the lubrication. The PDT um, is the, the duct going, the duct, the saliva yes, duct is, going up to the eye. Okay. Right. So really they try not to remove the eye because the eye is still functional. There's nothing really wrong with the eye. It just is uncomfortable on occasion if you're not. I mean, and ultimately it's up to each ophthalmologist what they feel is best. But I mean, honestly, Carly, there were times I went in there with tears in my eyes with my husband just saying like, please, can we take this eye out? Because I can't do it anymore. And he was like, no, you know, we can do this. We can fix this. It's just going to take some time. But I, (laughs) people would message me on Instagram and they would be like, why aren't you just taking the eye out? And it's like, he, he, there's nothing wrong with the eye. We're managing it comfort wise. And if we give it time and we work on it, we can fix it and she can keep her eye forever. And it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm doing this for her, but it sucked because my whole life revolved around this fucking eyeball. (laughs) And it was like, Oh my God. I mean, it was like, I mean, it was literally the moment I was like, I never want to have infants because it's just like constant needy, but yeah. Thankfully, she's quiet and she doesn't talk back, and I like to. I like her, but <laughs> I mean, it, it is. It's so emotional, yeah. and and I mean, some. I mean, there's a lot of vets that don't like PDTs because of the complication rates, and we'll just pull it. But I mean, my and I'll just say this: I have never thought so highly of the human beings in my entire life than the vet staff that takes care of Coda at our ophthalmologist oh, that's office. They are probably some of the best human beings I've ever met. And I thank God every day that they are the people that I'm with because I know that I know they want what's best for Coda. And I know that they know that I have the ability that we have the ability to fix her. And I'm glad I don't have a vet that's like, fuck it. I don't want to deal with this. Let's just pull the eye. Yeah. And when people message me and they're like, we'll just pull the eye out. And it's like, okay, I want you to look at your dog and I want you to tell me which eye you're willing to give up. Yes. You know, their eye is such a, a, a it's their it's soul. A, it's, it's, it's yeah. such a, you know, an intimate part. I mean, it's not a leg or a foot or a tail or an ear. I mean, it's, it's, is, it, it would be like losing half of her to me. You yeah. know, I mean, it would be like losing yeah. half of my connection with my dog. Well, and, especially as you said, like connection, like as a dog parent, like it, you look into their eyes, like oh, so much yeah. communication happens through that eye contact, I feel like with dogs. I mean, obviously they have, you know, body movements and, right. behavior and like all of that. But like <clears throat> looking into Lupin's eyes is how I understand what he wants from me a lot of times. Yeah. And I mean, as stupid as that sounds. And so, yeah, I can um, I can only imagine that it would be so emotional to take that part of them. But then yeah. also... Also, knowing that you could, like, it would be, it was awful and emotional and, like, so taxing on you, but you could handle it. Like, that mm-hmm. there could be an end in sight. Like, you were in a position that you were like, I can take care of this, even though it's absolutely miserable. Like, I can, I am in a place that I can do it. Therefore, I want to try. So, to and. Keep the eye. And that's what the ophthalmologist, you know, the ophthalmologist very much, they take into account you, who you are as a person. So um, he's told me stories about dogs that had KCS and 
the owners didn't want to go through with the PDT and they were both like a retired couple and they literally gave their dog eye drops every hour for the rest of their life because they were retired and didn't do anything. And I think the dog was older too. I think the dog was like, you know, kind of towards the end of its life and it's like, just get it along until, yeah. you know, yeah. but I mean, Coda's she was four at the time. She's five now. So, I mean, she's got a long life ahead of her. Um, but I mean, he absolutely takes into consideration the fact that, um, you know, I am able to give her what she needs in terms of lubrication. And every time we go in there, he made sure to tell me what an amazing job I was doing, which was frustrating because it meant that I was, I was doing it right. And I couldn't just say, fuck it. (laughs) Cause I was being (laughs) successful at it. Right. I mean, it's one thing when you're like, when you try really hard at something and you're failing and you're just like, fuck it, I give up. But it was, I was, I was, it was working. And so, um, I had my mental breakdown. Go ahead. Well, you doing what you were saying, like the strips too. Like I'm, when you said that and you were just like every day it was zero, all I could imagine was like times in my life when I was on a diet or trying to lose weight or like whatever, you know, some bullshit thing. And I was like every single day you'd like step on the scale and you just see zero difference. And you're like, I'm putting in so much work. And, but this is obviously, you know, like the stakes are way higher than humanity, but, but still like that defeating, I can totally identify at least with the defeatist, like, oh my God, this isn't working, but also it is because she's still like her eyes. eyes Right. Yes. And so what I, I really started pouring my heart and soul into was Google. Now I know vets hate Dr. Google, but I wasn't reading like, WebMD, I was reading clinical peer reviewed studies Mm -hmm. of freaking KCS because I was like, there has to be a freaking solution to this. There's no way that, that this is my life now. So if I look at KCS on any one of my computers, I mean, every link is purple. Like they're just all, I've, I've I've read the, I've read, I've, I, my ophthalmologist knows because I've sent him like God knows how many articles. I've read the internet when it comes to this. Like, <laughs> I I know there's no solution because I've read it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so but that's so awesome that he was willing to that your ophthalmologist was willing to still be like you're doing such a good job. Let's do this and put so much effort into it. And do you know? Because I feel like some you know some doctors are like. Don't look at the clinical review, you know, don't be doing Dr. Google and stuff. So that's so amazing that he did accept your like level of dedication and interest in this too. And then saw it as that. I mean, the fact, I think that is, um, that is one of the reasons why I haven't, you know, because I I always try and have this mantra of like, if it's not working with somebody, go to somebody else, because I've definitely been one of those people that like, try, 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 try with one doctor and it's not working. It's like, okay, I really think we just need like a second pair of eyes on this because Mm -hmm. sometimes that added information is helpful. But with our doctor, I'm like, he listens to us. He's very well educated. He's been in the, in the field for like 20, 25 years. I mean, he's very well practiced. He's an amazing specialist and he listens to me and my husband and he, I, every time my dog goes in there and she's been in there, fuck. 20 times (laughs) she still she still loves them despite all the surgeries all the sedations all the operations all the fucking with her eye all the 
I mean, everything. I mean, she adores her vets and I know that they take very good care of her even when I'm not around and they listen to me and they respect me. And I, I, I pay it back all the time. I bring them food, donuts. I mean, anytime Coda's in there, I'm like, here, I brought you some, some lettuce wraps, you know, like (laughs) take, because I mean, it's, you know, there are so many, you know, the whole no more vets movement really breaks my heart because there are so many good vet and vet techs. I don't think vet techs mm-hmm. get, get the acknowledgement they deserve. So many yeah. good vet clinics out there with such amazing staff that deserve everything because they take care of my babies when I can't. And it means the world mm-hmm. to me. And it kills me when I hear stories of people being, you know, in such a bad place because they can't help pets or the owners are mean or what have you. It's like, and yeah. on top of that, like the pay is not good. Like people act like vets make tons of money and they really don't. <laughs> and yes. it's like, yeah. they're doing it out of the kindness of their hearts and they are very educated and very thoughtful and very kind. And there are just so many instances where I think vets get really short end of the stick. And I try and mm-hmm. be that client that is like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like, a million times over way more than I probably need to, because I know that there's a million patients behind me that didn't do that. And I know they need that. They need it so bad. This is such a good example, I think, of the, like how much of a difference um, the whole vet staff, like the vet office, plus the dog parent working together and supporting each other in the dog's health. I think this is such a good example of that as far as like what you were saying, like you were at the end of your road emotionally with this and your ophthalmologist would be like we got this like we are going to keep trying and it would kind of support you and vice versa as you yeah. were saying like we're gonna I'm gonna do everything I can to like support what they recommend as far as treatment and and stuff so anyway okay I don't want to <laughs> go <laughs> no, back mean- to what like the the solution though for that for Coda. Like I, I interrupted like the whole, you're, the whole story. You're good. So PDT is the next option. So we yeah. had my mental breakdown moment in January, took her in for the PDT. PDT is like three, three thousand plus dollars. Mm-hmm. Take her in. <clears throat> Doctor kind of gives us the whole spiel. This is what we should expect. My husband and I sit outside in the parking lot waiting for hours and the vet, I like one o'clock rolls around, two o'clock rolls around and I'm like, it's taking them a really long time. Yeah. And then the vet called and you could hear it in his voice. He was so fucking pissed. (sighs) So what had happened was, is um, they have to take a suture. And they have to thread the suture into the duct like you would thread a sewing needle. It's a very, very tiny opening. And the suture is very, very tiny. And it takes a very fine hand to get it through. He spent 30 minutes with Coda under anesthesia. I think it was actually closer to an hour. Trying to thread this duct with the suture. And he could not get it to thread. And he was oh. like, I have been doing this for 20 years. And most of the dogs that I see are Yorkshire Terriers and Westies and tiny dogs like Coda. And I have never had a situation where I could not thread a duct. Oh. And, oh, my God, I cried. <laughs> yeah. I cried so hard because that's the only option. PDTs are the only option. I mean, there is there is no plan C, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the PDT or that's it. And I cried yeah. so hard when that happened because I was like, Oh, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. That's it. And, um, he was like, I don't want to give up. I want to try again. And so we ended up taking her to get an MRI done just to see if there was anything abnormal going on, a reason why he couldn't get that duct threaded. He sent out like a blast email to the entire ophthalmology, um, like all the clinics and was like, Hey, this is the scenario. Like I've never experienced this before. Can somebody like, let me know what they think. Meanwhile, the MRI came back. Um, they didn't find it was inconclusive. They found like some cystic structures in the back of her brain, but we all kind of came to the conclusion that those cysts back there should have nothing to do with her eye. And they were kind of like an accidental find and probably like totally benign and not an issue. Um, and so they had also done a, when she was under for the MRI, sorry, MRI was $4,000 in case for anybody that's keeping track of this. So it's $7,000 with no solution. <laughs> so, so far in this whole thing, are you paying out of pocket and hoping for like potential reimbursement from pet insurance? Yes. So, um, okay. and, and God, oh my God, that's, that's all. So Amber Akar, my, my beloved friend um, for many years has made me buy many things in my life. Um, my Subaru Outback that's sitting in my garage right now, Amber Akar made me buy. My one-eyed mm-hmm. cat in my office right now, Amber made me buy. Um, and one of the things that Amber made me buy was pet insurance. Now, back when I first got Moose and Coda, I had tried pet insurance and I just wasn't like super, there was just something about it. I didn't really like the process. Like there was just way too much like red tape and like fine print that I just found very, um, like way more complicated. It's very off-putting. Yes. yes it's very, yeah, it's yeah. pretty much just like, this is way, mean. this is way more complicated than it needs to be. And then you hear these horror stories of like, they, you know, these insurance companies find a way to use the fine print to get out of paying and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So I had essentially decided when Moose and Coda were younger that I was just going to set up a savings account and just deposit money every month into the savings account. And, um, then Amber called me one day <laughs> And I'll never forget, I was sitting at my dining room table eating lunch, and she called me, and she was like, hey, what pet insurance do you have? And I was like, oh, I don't have pet insurance. She was like, what? You don't have pet insurance? <laughs> and so we got into this big, long thing, and, and she was like, well, I'm going I'm, I'm to get pet insurance for Tucker and Oakley, because I think they need it, and you should get pet insurance with me. So I was like, fine. I did my research, and there were like two or three companies I ended up like... But I was like, I'd be okay with these three. I think they're good. And I ended up doing Healthy Paws. Um, And the the thing I really liked most about them is, like, there's very little red tape. Like, it's literally, if your dog has an issue and the vet recommends it, we'll pay it. And so that was that. So with them, there is no pre-approval process. You pay the bill. You submit the bill to them. And then they reimburse you. It's not the full coverage. I have an 80% coverage on Moose and Coda. So... You know, if I have a $10,000 bill, I'm paying $2,000 of that. Um, mm-hmm. But they've been amazing. And between me and my vet staff and Healthy Paws, like in, if one of the triangle failed, I mean, it, it would have been done. But yeah. we all were doing such a good job working together. I think that was the, the main reason why things were so successful. So the MRI and the surgery, it was $7,000, but really out of pocket. I think it was a little bit less than that. It was probably close to like $1,500 out of pocket. Um, okay. So do the MRI. They also did a biopsy of the lacrimal gland when she was under for the MRI. So they did a hole punch and they sent that off to biopsy. And of course, mm-hmm. 
they're like, oh, it looks healthy. It doesn't, there's no reason why this shouldn't be working. And I'm like, bang my head against a wall. You guys drive me crazy. So, (laughs) so anyway, so the doctor had come back after talking to all of his vet smart people and, um, the MRI didn't see anything abnormal with the, with the ducts. And so we're like, okay, let's give this another shot. So we went under anesthesia again and he created a blunt tip. So you would think, so you're threading a needle, right? You would think that the the tiny and the skinnier and the pointier it is, the easier it is to thread. Yeah. When you're dealing with tissue, tissue sticky, right? And so if you poke it, it's not really wanting to slide like metal would. So if you make a blunt tip, it's not going to get stuck on the skin. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So he okay. made a blunt. He made a blunt tip on the end of the suture and was able to get it threaded and dissect the wow. duct and move it up into the eye. So the second what, time around, we got it. Was it the same duct, or did they pull a different one? No. So the parotid duct is the only one that they do. Um, oh, it's for the, pe- there's only one. Okay. Yeah. So, well, I mean, there's multiple gland. There's multiple glands and multiple ducts from glands that provide saliva into your mouth. But the parotid duct is the one, and the parotid glands are the ones that run on the top of your mouth, kind of up by, like, into your cheek for the the top of your jaw, I should say, the top of your mouth. Okay. So yeah. what they do is they take they take that since it's the highest and because keep in mind these these ducks are very they're they're meant to be the length that they are, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I can't okay. necessarily take a duck from the bottom of the jaw and move it up into the eye because it's given the correct amount of length that it has from the distance from the opening of the duct to the gland to the back of the gland, yeah. right? So okay. you have you have to use the room that you're allotted to move this thing around. So because it's you're essentially just taking it and it it's going, you know, horizontal and you're essentially just moving it up to where it's vertical, right? Vertical. Or okay. slight, slight, slightly eye. vertical, right, yeah. into the eye. Yeah. So second time around it was successful and oh my god, that was a happy day for everybody. <laughs> yeah. And so we were ecstatic and we brought her home and um it, the weird thing about PDTs is that when your dog is excited or when they eat food, they will actually cry. And when I mean they cry, I mean physical teardrops will drop out of their face. So it looks <laughs> like they're crying when they're eating or they're excited. The problem one so of the is problem- it- Teardrops or is it saliva? It's saliva, but but saliva and teardrops have a very similar, they're very similar, like from like a, like analytical standpoint, there's not a lot of differences between, there are a few and we'll get into those, but um, they're very similar in the fact that they both come from blood and they're both kind of, you know, they're meant to provide lubrication. And so Mm -hmm. it serves as a fantastic um, supplement for the lacrimal gland. If your lacrimal gland's not working, let's just use the saliva because it's okay. basically does the same thing in your mouth. So she'll okay. cry. So when she's I say crying she, while she's eating. Drops. Right. Yeah. But it's not, okay. it's, I think this is the thing people do. They think it's like drool and it's not. It's very watery. It's very, okay. yes. Uh, like an eye drop. I mean, if you've ever felt an eye drop, there's a little bit of lubrication to it, but it really is just water based. It's not, you know, drool when dogs drool and it's like that, that mucusy thing. It's yes, not, it's, it's not, not no, it's, it's, it's really like teardrops. It's actually very impressive. So take her home. Everything's great. She's crying, um, which is kind mm-hmm. of, a, she's kind of a cool little fun science experiment for a while. 
And then she's crying. You're crying. We're crying. Like, oh my god. We're all lubricated. <laughs> going going back to like before, like when we did the PDT the first time and it failed, and I was crying hysterically. I walked into the office to pick her up, and I was like, "You don't realize how much fucking irony I feel right now, crying hysterically over my dog that can't cry. Like it is just <laughs> that can't produce tears. Like I want to bottle them up and just yeah, put them just in her pat eye. Them in. Yeah, just, just, you know." Just, so anyway, so PDT worked flawlessly, um, brought her home and she was crying. She was over salivating, which is pretty normal. It takes a while for that gland to kind of adapt to the new lifestyle. So it produces, a, at first it typically produces a lot more saliva than it needs. And then over time it will decrease. Um, okay. And so for the first few weeks everything was good and all we noticed was there was just a little bit of swelling you could actually like almost see the duct in her face Mm -hmm. like it was like it like ran across and so we didn't really know I was like yeah I mean so we took her in for the post-op and the vet was like yeah I mean she's still producing saliva it's still getting into her eye so I don't really know what's going on we'll just keep an eye on it um And that thing just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the production of saliva into her eye was less and less and less. And eventually it just stopped. It stopped completely. I thought this was the end of the story. Oh, Oh my God. There's more. So she got got this blueberry, this like big blueberry size swelling on her cheek. And her saliva production had completely stopped. Yeah. So took her back in. And the vet sedated her pulled her eyelid back and the opening of that parotid duct had collapsed in on itself and had essentially healed itself. So it was big scar tissue and it was all backing up into her face. At one point, because the, keep in mind the parotid duct, very, very thin little like suture sized duct here. It's not big had ruptured because (gasps) your, the gland was still producing saliva, even though it wasn't opened. So it was dumping saliva into her cheek, the the tissue surrounding her cheek, and her cheek was swelling up. So now we have no opening to this duct. Her cheek is swelling. Yeah. And we have to fix it. So take her back in for a surgery. This is another $2,000 surgery. Mm -hmm. They took a catheter and bore down into this opening and got all of the saliva and so there's actually a medical term for this whole process and it's a salivary mucosal so if you ever have a situation where you get like if you ever look it up there's like these dogs with mucosals will typically get these the saliva will spread and so they'll get this big bubble like it's like a if you've ever had bubble like water in your ceiling and that bubble exists where the paint is is holding it so saliva moves around freely underneath the skin and stuff. So if you ever have a, a, a salivary duct that ruptures, the saliva would just pump into the skin and they get these big bubbles of saliva mm-hmm. and that you have to go in and drain. Um, and it's called a salivary mucosal. The interesting thing about these things is that your body will reabsorb the, like the water of the mucosal, so like of the saliva but saliva also has like a mucus content and like a mineral content as well. So what's yeah. left is like a Vaseline of saliva. This is getting gross. Yeah. So 
<laughs> but so essentially all of the saliva in her eye, the, what was sitting in that bubble was not actually liquid saliva, but it was like Vaseline from her like body. Leftover. Yes. Okay. And what her body had done is it had actually created like a cyst like pocket to prevent it from spreading like it normally would. So she mm-hmm. had, a, she, it was, her body had almost made like the perfect little pocket of, so like had just made a pocket of it was like, Oh, yeah. we don't know what to do with this. We can't, we can't dump it out of the duct anymore. We're just going to make a little pocket of it to keep it from spreading. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, okay, so the gland is still producing saliva because that thing continues to get bigger. The, and it seems to be like still centrally located in her cheek and it's not traveling anywhere. Let's just make an opening into the top of that cyst and see if we can't get it to naturally flow out of that cyst back into her eye. Right? Yeah. So we're essentially bypassing the opening of the duct at this point and just trying to go straight into that cyst. Mm-hmm. The other part of this is that saliva um, is not a very good thing outside of the body. It tends to be like outside of the mouth. It's a, it's an irritant. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, anyway, long story short, this mucosal also, she had, she had MRSA in it. She was growing bacteria in her, in her, <laughs> her cheek. In, oh my God. That had closed off. I mean, it was essentially just like a, like a localized infection. It was just a big cyst, yeah. in, cystic. MRSA. Really gross. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we went down in it, we drained it, and she now had this little like pocket that would fill up with saliva. And all you had to do is just press on it and you could drain it and the saliva would go into her eye. Okay. So I was like, okay, cool. So, and it would, it would still, even though it would build up this pocket, it would still lubricate her eye enough to keep it lubricated, Mm -hmm. like to keep it healthy. So if her if her cheek ever just got too big, we would just take a paper towel and put it underneath her eye and just push on this thing and it would just drain and then we're good to go. Yeah. The fucking thing healed over again. <gasps> so oh we're, so the problem the problem with eyes, I will tell you, is that they really like to heal. Bodies don't like holes in them. So we mm-hmm. kept trying to poke a hole into the cyst and the body was like, no, I'm trying to keep this from spreading and would just scar yeah. over. Yeah. So we're like, okay. <laughs> what at this point though, what is the level of care that she needs? Like you're not doing the every hour thing anymore. No. You're just, no. so it's just like, it's just watching to see if new symptoms crop up but other and like draining that's right so you you want it like, I would want it. it yeah you'd want to drain it because you start getting you know bacterial MRSA shit like that um yeah. so you want to drain it on like we would drain it you know um probably like three three times a day I would do it once after breakfast because okay. that would swell up from the saliva production from food once in the evening against dinner for the same reason mm-hmm. and then usually around like lunchtime um you know yeah. from daily activity it would kind of build up on its own but three but times like a day. activity wise, like health wise, otherwise, oh, like her- she was like she could run around. She was like happy as a clam. She okay. was just peachy, just peachy. Yeah. So, okay. <clears throat> so then okay. Got, so the cyst is healing over. Is this over again? So we were like, so the vet like it was. We were all very desperate, so he literally took mm-hmm. a picture of Coda and blasted it to every veterinary veterinarian in the I Care for Animals chain. Like every vet has seen yeah. Coda, 
story. And he was like, I do not know what to do. I have like never experienced this in my 25 years of medicine. Yeah. So just everybody was emailing him trying to chime in. And what he found was there was one doctor who actually placed a catheter that she has right now for an extended period of time. And if they left it in long enough that the body just eventually gave up on trying to heal over it and it stayed open enough that they could drain it manually. Okay. So two weeks ago, no, a week ago, it was a week ago, a week ago, we went in, sorry, I'm doing math in my head. (laughs) A week ago, we went into eye care for animals and they took a 18 gauge catheter and stuck it down into her cheek and had the drain of the catheter, which is usually a big bulky thing that helps prevent from bacteria going the other way. And sutured it to her eyelid. So she okay. has she has a tube with a topper sticking out of her eye. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, Megan, that sounds quite uncomfortable for a, a plastic tube to be sitting on your eye for three weeks. So what they did is dogs have a third eyelid, which is a little pink thing you might see at the corner of their eyes. The yeah. doctor took that third eyelid, stretched it all the way across her eye, and <sighs> sutured it to the, the top of her eyelid. So her whole eye is covered by her third eyelid and her cornea is completely protected from this plastic thing rubbing on her face. And then oh we, we sutured this catheter to her eyelid so it doesn't like flop around and cause it's not mm-hmm. held in with anything other than like the, like the tube can come out and it's come out yeah. a, a time or two. <laughs> the tube can come out. It's just stuck into this, this bucket yeah. essentially into this, yeah. this ball. And so it's all she's I call her Frankie now because she looked like Frankenstein. But I mean, she's got (laughs) it's just a pink membrane, right? Just yeah. And then this catheter sticking out of her eye. And then she has to wear a cone for three weeks to keep her from trying to knock that thing out of her face. And we're just praying to God that that thing stays because you can't keep skin from healing over. That's that's the annoying part is your body has such a like regenerative process that it mm-hmm. wants to heal over if it's broken. So it's yeah. like I'm it your the body is like I'm trying to keep this from spreading like stop fucking with it and we're like no we need it for her eye so we keep poking a hole in it and trying to get the yeah. saliva to go through. And so yeah, so now she's with this catheter for 3 weeks while we're waiting for the um for hopefully the the body to give up on trying to heal this or to heal it just not enough to where that opening still exists and that we can mm-hmm. if if we can get it to not heal over it is totally a perfectly fine solution for me i i you know have to touch her eye maybe two three times a day and otherwise her eye the part that's the most annoying carly i'll be completely honest with you is the saliva makes her eye look fucking beautiful. You cannot even tell that dog has dry eye. If you look at both of her oh. eyes, you can't yeah. tell. If I show you a picture and I was like, which eye has is dry, you wouldn't be able to tell me because it works. That's yeah. the most frustrating part is it works. And it's like, okay, I have the solution. It's literally like an inch away from her eye. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's working. I just need yeah. it to not heal over. So anyway... It's been a process. It's been very emotional. And, you know, I've definitely, it's hard sometimes. And it it is such an extensive journey and like telling people about it. Every time I call Amber now, she's like, what's wrong with Coda now? (laughs) It's like, like, 
I mean, not, I, it's just like, I need, it's such a long journey. And unless you followed yeah. it from the beginning, it's really hard. And so the part that's very hard for me and that I completely understand is I've been trying to share it on social media because it's such an intimate part of our lives and she looks kind of awkward now and people ask questions, mm-hmm. but because the algorithm doesn't show people my content all the time, they miss parts, right? Yeah. So they saw when her eye had the successful PDT, but they didn't see the part where it closed up or they mm-hmm. saw the part where we successfully opened it up the first time, but they didn't see the part where the cysts closed up again. Right. Yeah. So anytime I post on social media, I get this huge flood of, Oh, how, how's Coda doing? Or, Oh, I thought her eye was fixed. Why did she have this catheter suture to her face or, yeah. what's, you know, and, and so it's hard for me because I understand that people care immensely about my dog and it means the world to me. It really does, but it just, it's, it's hard sometimes to, I'm really glad I got to do this podcast because people that have been following Coda's journey can actually like listen to the full thing, but it legitimately has been like, we've gotten steps closer to the finish line every single time we've done this process, like every time we mm-hmm. go, but it's just it's been such a tedious, like we're like, we fix it and then something else breaks and then we fix it and something else breaks. And eventually either, um, healthy paws will tell me to get fucked and they're not paying me anymore and we'll have to give up (laughs) or the doctor will run out of ideas and we'll have to give up or I will just go insane and I will be in a loony bin. And then I don't know what's going to happen with Coda, but whoever gets her (laughs) probably is not going to put up with this. (laughs) Either way there either we're going to come to a solution or something in in our perfect triangle is going to break. And at this point we've done everything that we can. Her eye is healthy. She plays Frisbee. She's comfortable. Her eye is beautiful. It's just a matter of getting it to a place where it's sustainable for us. And then after that, it's not, it's not perfect, but you know, I don't need perfect. I just need manageable and fuck. If I have to go back to, I cannot, I cannot do a drop every hour. I've decided that going through this process. I'm like, if we have to go back to that, I'm just pulling the eye purely for selfish reasons and not because the eye needs to be pulled. And I think it's like one of those things where I've definitely had moments where I'm like, why are we keeping the eye? And I have to keep reminding myself, it's not me wanting to keep the eye. It's the specialist who works with Mm -hmm. the shit every day and understands what the dog's going through and understands my capabilities and, the, and my husband's capabilities. And, and he takes all these things into account when making decisions like that. And he is like, told me, he's like, I am not removing this dog's eye unless I absolutely have to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know, he's like, it's a perfectly fine eye. Like we can fix this. It's just code is going to be difficult because Coda wants to be the one in a million and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's just going to take a little bit of patience on everybody's part. But yeah, that's 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 the story, y'all. That's, that's the, the story. That's the story of Coda's crazy ass eyeball stuff. Oh my gosh, I feel like okay. The reason I wanted to have you on to talk about this is because obviously it's not like this episode. Maybe I'll say this in the intro too, but it's not like your story. Every single dog parent is going to be able to relate to or mm-hmm. experience. It, this is obviously, I, like I as hope, you said, very unique. I hope not. If somebody else yeah. experiences this, like I, I please call me. I will talk to you. We can like you know share in just the misery because, I mean, Coda really is the one in a million. Coda really. Is, I mean, yeah. I've 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 gotten to the point. You know, we talked about the literature thing earlier. I've I've run out of literature to read. Like we have. Yeah. We have gotten to that point where like this has never happened before. I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is where we're at. I mean, we are literally inventing the wheel i mean it's it's so yeah, yeah it, it, it's not a 
you know, oh, this happened, then my dog got better, and, you know, this happens a lot. Like, Moose's bowel obstruction, every dog has a freaking bowel obstruction, right? Yeah. Moose had yeah, a bowel exactly. obstruction. Yeah. Sure, I think yours have had a few, Lupin has had two. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. It's And so that's what I think is, like, you – it's not like it's, as you said, like, Coda's one in a million – so this story is kind of one in a million, but I feel like there's certain like kind of morals that everyone can hopefully take away from mm-hmm. as far as finding the right vet who really, you know, just understands you and where you the, – the capacity that you have to be able to handle the treatment and stuff like that, finding, um, you know, the correct surgeons and all of that, plus the pet insurance – Mm -hmm. understand like as you said like the little perfect triangle of everyone working together I think that's something that people can think about if their dog ever has a medical issue or even like try to start planning for if their you know dog could have a medical issue in the future and and I think it's good just for people to think about like what is sustainable for my dog as Mm -hmm. you said kind of at the end it's like what is sustainable for me and my dog Maybe this won't have like a perfect solution, but there will be some kind of like, what can I handle? And, and I think that's like important to think about as well. Like, I mean, not that this is the same, but when Lupin with Lupin's food allergies, you know, there or environmental allergies, there's a lot of different routes that you can go down. And I Mm -hmm. had to kind of have a very similar thing as far as like, what can I manage? What can you do? Money wise time-wise, all of that. And And yeah. I think for me, um, you know, one of the things I've talked about with my husband a great deal is the fact that I think veterinary medicine gets a bad rap in the sense that people feel like vets are like money hungry or things like that. Mm -hmm. And I was actually very impressed with how advanced the veterinary medicine field is. I think a lot of the things that people struggle with is there are solutions out there for a lot of diseases. The solutions that work for complicated cases like CODA are just very fucking expensive. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, a lot of veterinarians, and I can certainly understand their frustration, is like, we can fix this, right? Like my ophthalmologist is like, we can fix this. It's just going to take a lot of trial and error to get it right and to get it to a sustainable level. And for a lot of pet owners that don't have pet insurance, they can't do that. I, Mm -hmm. I, I have a savings account for my dogs. I I will give the shirt off my back for my dogs, but at the same time, had I not had my pet insurance, I would not have been able to go as far or as long as I did with Coda. But Mm -hmm. thankfully Amber Carr called me up one day. I was like, Hey, let's get pet insurance together because that'll be fun. Because that's what dog moms do. They just call each other up and convince each other to buy things like pet insurance and yeah. cars and cats and <laughs> things like that. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's so funny. Every time I go and I pay a big fat vet bill, I call Amber. I swear to God, you can call her up after this podcast and you can ask her. Every time I pay a big fat vet bill, I call Amber and I thank her for guilt, for guilt mm-hmm. tripping me into buying pet insurance because without it, I could, I could not have done this. I could not have done this. Yes. And and honestly, I think I, I would feel guilty pulling my dog's eye out because emotionally I couldn't handle it anymore. I would feel 10 times more guilty if I pulled my dog's eye out because I couldn't financially afford the Yes, that is, that is my biggest thing with pet insurance. And, and this isn't telling anyone like what they should or shouldn't do as far as pet insurance and with their dog and like, 
like whatever's best for you, you do it. But that is my biggest thing is like I never want to have to choose between my dog's life or, you know, a very a body part, whatever, because I couldn't handle it financially. And mm-hmm. and like and I understand that that's not everyone has the privilege of even managing dog care money wise and stuff like that. But yeah, like that's that's my biggest thing with pet insurance as well is like. I have it because I'm like, I could not handle that guilt, emotional guilt. You know, I think we're in a day and age where, and I've had this conversation with my grandmother who, you know, lived in a very different day and age of veterinary medicine. Veterinary medicine has come Mm -hmm. a very long way in a very short amount of time. And there have been huge advances that have been made and that comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. Everything in the world is getting more expensive, especially right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And veterinary... (laughs) Veterinary medicine is very expensive right now for, for if you want the quality of care that you would expect if you walked into a hospital, right? Which is what most pet parents mm-hmm. expect because a lot of their dogs or their babies are part of their family. Yeah. You need, we, we have to expect to pay a price. And it's the same thing, you know, honestly, like not to get political, but like we want to talk about, you know, universal health care and whether or not, you know, people should have a right to medical care. And, you know, that's a conversation. We're not going to have universal vet care anytime soon. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not happening. I'm not gonna, the government is not going to pay for my dog to go to the vet, right? As much as that, I, yeah. I think they should because vet care is like a necessity. <laughs> I'm yes, kidding. I'm just kidding. But really, I mean, it's like you know, it's something that when you when you buy an animal, it's something you need to think about. And you know, I'll be honest. For me and my husband, we live very modest lifestyles, but we don't have the money financially to put up you know ten thousand dollars for my dog's eye on our own. But I do have the money to put $130 a month towards my insurance away, which is what I pay for all four of my animals. And that is paid for itself 10 times over. (laughs) Yes, exactly. No, it it doesn't have to be. It doesn't, it's really, you know, prevention. It's part of the prevention process is pet insurance, right? Investing in, in the, if shit hits the fan. Because it's so Mm -hmm. much better than trying to scrounge up the money when, when shit does hit the fan. And I assure you, shit will hit the fan. I think a lot of pet owners are like, oh, my dog's never had a bowel obstruction or my dog's never had allergies or my dog's not this, that, whatever. Yes. It will happen. It's not a matter of if you should get pet insurance or if something bad is going to happen. It's when something bad happens, are you going to have pet insurance or are you going to have to pay it out manually? And a yes. lot of the people that I know that I interact with, especially when it comes to CODA stuff, is I tell them the story or they've had a similar situation that they share with me. And then they turn around and buy pet insurance after they've already had their first big boo-boo. Well, uh, that is me. That is yeah. – I am that person. Yeah, like at Lupin, I um, didn't feel the need to have it until yep. I until I needed it. And then I, we paid a buttload out of pocket and I was like never again signed up for pet insurance like the next month. And yeah, it was – it's so needed. And I think exactly what you're saying about the advancements in um, veterinary medicine, that's literally exactly what um, Dr. Stacy, I had a, so I had pumpkin pet insurance and Dr. Stacy was an advocate for them. And she, so that, that episode was gosh, back in like October, November, I'll put it in the show notes if anyone's interested, but yeah, that was one of her um, reasons as a vet like as a veterinarian, she was like, look, we've come so far and pet insurance allows us to to give them the treatment that 
that they deserve and that mm-hmm. we can give them. Yeah. And yeah. And so it's just um, I think, yeah, I think all of these morals that we can pull from your story. And I, I just wanted to make sure that you had a chance to tell your story too. Oh, because man, I think I... this is Yeah. And it's not over, but no. <laughs> but I, we're, I think... we're getting there. I do, you know, talking about the dog mom intuition that we talked about earlier, I do think we, I think we're at the the final stretch. I do think we're just at a place where we're, we're done and, you know, I'm picking out in my head, like gifts that I want to give my vets and stuff once we're like done, done. Um, but I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll honestly tell you, I mean, we've spent, you know, it'll, it'll probably closer to, probably closer to 15,000 by the time we're like straight up done with all of this. and. Mm-hmm. I have enjoyed every minute of it and I'm going to be, uh, it's going to be a bittersweet ending when I have to say goodbye to my ophthalmologist and his team because mm-hmm. they're amazing. But, um, no, I mean, vets can do really amazing shit, <laughs> like yeah. really cool, really cool shit. Honestly. I mean, it just, some of the things that I've, I've listened and watched and learned from even just with CODA's situation, I'm like, we we really have the power to fix a lot of stuff. And I couldn't imagine being a vet and knowing you have the power, but you can't Mm -hmm. because of a financial burden. And I know it's hard for vets to, you know, I know a lot of vets are like, well, you know, you have a pet, you need to financially be responsible for them. And I completely agree. But I just think we've gotten to the point in society where pet insurance is a necessity. And, you know, going back to your situation with Lupin, this is Coda's first big oopsie. Coda's Mm -hmm. never needed pet insurance before. She's never needed yeah. the emergency surgery. She's never needed the bowel obstruction, any of that. So if I didn't have Moose or I didn't have Amber to call me and tell me to get pet insurance, I never would have gotten it until after this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I really like stress people. I'm like, don't wait for the first time because you never know when the first time is going to, you know, never know what the first time is going to cost you, right? The first time might be yes. a thousand or 2000 or the first time might be 6,000 or 10,000 or 15,000 mm-hmm. or, you know, it's just, it's, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you, like, I could not imagine going through this process and not having that available to me. I mean, the doors would have just been shut so fast. It's not even funny. And I know that yeah. would have frustrated everybody. That would have frustrated my vet, would have frustrated me, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we could not have done it without them. I would just say that I could yeah. not have done it without pet insurance. And I think healthy paws and I think Amber Carr every day. She's my guardian angel. She's we love we love Amber. We love we, we love also a good have Amber. many episodes with Amber too, everyone. So go listen to Amber's episodes too. Um, yes, no, I I think what's so amazing about this whole story is that you know, as you said, Coda's five and she's a small breed dog who will hopefully live for at least fifteen more years and this is like a moment in time, kind of, you know, like, it's just, I feel like that's, and that's why I wanted to have you on to tell this story. And because it, when you're in it, it's so like, you're in it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just so intense. And I've, I've been there in with emergency situations with Lupin, not necessarily like as long of a situation like, like this has been with Coda, but, um, yeah, it's just like, it's so interesting that this is just like a part of her life and that, maybe years a few years down the road you're it's going to be like oh god remember 
<laughs> remember 2022 and 2021 I told, and then- I told Lance that I said someday we're gonna look back and be like hey remember when like it was like nine months of hell and like Coda's eye was all yeah. fucked up I'm like yeah it was so funny that was so I mean yeah. I had the same thing Moose had a bowel obstruction and he had a really really nasty post-op infection they actually had to reopen him up and that cost me six thousand dollars and I forgot about that Mm-hmm. Yeah, he okay. had he had yeah. a bowel obstruction from. He ate a pecan in our Airbnb. We were down in San Antonio for my husband's work, and we had a big ass freaking pecan tree in the backyard. And he had been. I mean, pecans are like the size of my thumb, right? I mean, they're just you know the mm-hmm. very tip of my thumb. They're just tiny little things. And he ate it, and it got like ninety percent of the way through his bowel, and the last corner it obstructed, <laughs> and they had to emergency open him up. And then he got a really horrible, nasty bowel obstruction. And this was during COVID. So I had called it with concerns about him having an infection. And they said just to keep an eye on it. And with infections, especially when you're dealing with uh, intestinal bacteria, it went from zero to 100 real quick. So Mm -hmm. they had to reopen him up. And by the end of it, it was $6,000. And it just was like, oh, my God. But now I look, I have, I actually saved the pecan. And um, we were just organizing the other. You would. You would save the pecan. I told Lance, I said, if we pull her eye, I want it in a jar. I'm one of those people. I'm like, it's cost me so much money. I need to keep it. It's part of, it's part of, I know it's weird and gross, but it's part of the sentiment. No, it's part of the. Your it's life part of the story, process, at this point. you know. Yeah, it's like this yeah. is this is my husband's first love letter to me. This is you know our first <laughs> trip to New York. These are our plane tickets. This is the pecan my dog ate when he gave instruction. <laughs> this is the mm-hmm. jar of my dog's eyeball that cost me ten thousand dollars. <laughs> you know, it's just it's the it's the it's the things that just are like really important to your life that you just hold on to. Yeah, I have it in yeah. a ziploc bag. I have it in a Ziploc bag somewhere. I think it's in the dog's room's closet or something. But yeah, I kept it. Oh my but gosh. yeah, it is. It's totally something we laugh about now. It's totally something I'm like, hey, yeah. I remember. I, I mean, but I'll never forget crying hysterically in the in the parking lot of the VCA at like one o'clock in the morning. I I will. I do want to share a little bit before I know we're probably getting to the end of our time. But I there is yeah. something I I genuinely, if you are interested in pet insurance or kind of on the fence about it, I want you to go sit in the parking lot of an emergency vet hospital for an hour and sit near the entrance and just watch what goes in and out of that hospital. Yeah. It is so humbling. Mm-hmm. It's really I, hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. Yeah. And uh, I've done it enough to tell you that I will never, ever, ever, ever be mean to vets. And I will never, ever, ever not have pet insurance because that shit is fucking miserable. <laughs> So yes. miserable. I watched, there was one, probably the saddest story. And this is why I'm like, they're not money hungry. <laughs> I watched, mm-hmm. they were loading, um, I think it was like a lab onto a gurney. And you could tell the gurney had like seen its days. Like it had just been beat to shit and all the running back and forth that they had done. And they were trying to take this dog up the, up the ramp with this gurney and the wheel fell off the gurney. And the vet techs looked at each other and they just, scooped up the lab and just carried her into the mm-hmm. into the hospital and gurney just yeah. sat there with no wheel and I was like I need to go buy a gurney for these people because <laughs> that yeah. it just was like oh my god you know oh mm-hmm. it's it's so emotional it's so hard to sit and watch but I after going through that I am always so thankful for vets and I'm always so thankful for insurance because people don't sit and watch like 
the bad moments. You know, people don't actually just sit yeah. and watch. Like you can, it's not, you're not invading anybody's privacy. Just go sit in a parking lot, you know, an open space mm-hmm. and go watch what walks in and out. People crying hysterically. I've watched people vomit from stress and yeah. from being upset. I mean, I've, I've watched crazy shit sitting in emergency room or emergency parking lots for hours. And it's really something that like, if you're like, Hey, I'm not sure about it. Like just go take your husband and just go or your significant other or roommate or reverend, just go sit in the parking lot and just watch. Just and then, go sit. Yeah. And then, and then when you're done doing that, figure out what insurance you want, because no, <laughs> I'm telling you, no one walks out of that situation. And it's like, I don't need pet insurance. Cause it's like, yeah. Holy fuck. You don't realize how much mm-hmm. shit can go wrong with your dog until you sit in an emergency room. And you're like, Oh God. Okay. Yes. I completely agree. I think, as you said, no, we we rarely focus on the bad things yeah. that can we ne- happen. And we never think it can happen to us. We never exactly. Yes. You, you know, do you know people are listening to the story and they're like, "Oh, that dog's a one in a million. That'll never happen to me. That'll never happen yeah. to me." No, you're right. It won't happen to you, but something else will. Something else will. Yes, exactly. And it that's, may not be I my story, but it'll be your story. You know. Hmm. Yeah. That's why I think it's just so important for you to talk about this. And thank you for sharing on your own like blog and social media and stuff too with everyone. And thank you for sharing today because I think it's still fresh in your mind, obviously, like you're still going through it. And I think it's so easy to look back sometimes through like, you know, emergency issues or whatever and be like, oh, that was a one-time thing. Like it was only a thousand bucks. Like we manage. And Things can happen. Yes, you're right. Like shit can happen at a turn of a dime and um, you, you don't want to lose your dog over it basically. Yeah. This is this has been such a good conversation, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so really one like from the whole story but also just like so many of the things that we can pull from it too. It's it's emotional and you know, I try to be I I I've shared a lot of my emotions because I think that it's important for you know, especially when you're doing a podcast, it's very auditory. So I'm going to be a little bit more like open with my emotions. Um, you know, especially yeah. like with my husband's around because it's his dog. I do have a very good job of like compressing how I feel. But there have mm-hmm. been certain situations that I have watched that I was like, well, you just, you know, it changes your perspective. And I, I was I, I was the owner that was like, I'm just going to have a savings account for my dog. I think insurance is a scam. I think insurance is a waste of money. And I, I think that you know, this is the best case scenario mm-hmm. for me. And I've done a full 180. And I will tell you, I don't care who it is. I don't care how you get it. I don't care how much it costs, what it covers. I don't give a fuck. Just something. Just pay for something. Yes. It's really not that expensive. And the peace of mind that it will give you is worth its weight in gold. Yes. Totally. Totally Agreed. worth its weight in gold. So. Agreed. I think okay. Well, let's let's end it on there. Okay. For everyone. Okay. That is the final message here. If you're interested in, if you need this message more, or if you're interested in more of this type of topics, I have an episode on pet insurance. I've got an episode on, uh, with not one more vet. They are also so that's like a veterinary organization that um, helps mental health for vet staff and um, veterinary professionals. So that one is really amazing because that's a good episode to talk more about like what you touched on, Megan, about um, what a lot of vet staff deal with day in and day out um, and some of the trouble, some of the hard things that that they really struggle with. So if you're interested in learning more, those are good episodes. Plus, go listen to the episodes with Megan and Amber 
And I'll try to include all of those episodes in the show notes. And of course, go follow Megan. So where do they follow you if they want to follow more of Coda's story? Stumps and rumps. We're pretty much everywhere. Instagram is my main one. If you want to get a hold of me or talk to me or just, I know I've actually, Carly, believe it or not, I've had a few people message me and be like, hey, I followed you because I listened to you on with the dog podcast. I need to send you screenshots of some of them. I have some recently, actually. But yeah, I've gotten followers from with a dog and um, they're all quality followers. Carly, you send me really great people. Um, (laughs) No, Instagram's my primary if you want to talk to me or whatever. I'm very low key. Obviously, I've dropped a few F-ROMs and I'm crying on a podcast. So I'm not, I was eating a muffin too. You guys can't see it, but Carly's watched me eat muffins for most of the podcast today. So I'm very, I'm very approachable. I'm not, you know, I'm very cool. Um, I think so anyway. Maybe I should humble myself a little bit there. (laughs) I'm very cool. I listen to a bird watching and I want to save my dog's eyeball. (laughs) I'm unapologetically myself, man. What can I say? But yeah, uh, Facebook, um, I also do, if you're a corgi person specifically I have um, responsible quirky owners Facebook group and then um, my blog I share a lot of um, my favorite tips and tricks and dog owning stuff there I think that's it god I hope that's it that's a lot of stuff <laughs> that's, yeah that's enough that's enough they'll that's find enough. you that's enough um stumps and rumps everyone go follow Megan if you want to follow the podcast it's at with a dog podcast on Instagram and uh, with a dog podcast on Facebook, with a dog pod on TikTok. I haven't uploaded a TikTok in like months. I don't know why I even I, offer that I one. Al- but I also have a TikTok. One day. I've got like two TikToks on there. I'm like, I don't really yeah. know how this works yet. Someday. <laughs> I'll, I'll promote it just in case one day I get into it. Um, and we have new episodes every Wednesday. Thank you again, Megan. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. All content on the With a Dog podcast is for informational and comedic purposes only. It should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.